Welcome to the first ever episode of VH Yes, the show where friends revisit the top movies of their formative years. Each week we'll watch and discuss the top grossing film from that week 21 years prior. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Cassie. Cassie, thank you for joining me. I lured you onto a rickety wooden ship to summon you to the recording studio today as part of a mysterious bargain between our realms. <laughs> so make sure you podcast really good today or everything you know will be transformed into a barren wasteland. <laughs> well, you know, I actually was just chasing an Australian guy with one cybernetic eye, so I didn't I even hate notice. That. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you got to that focus will get you in trouble one of these days. It's it's bloodlust. That's what it is. Well, if Bloodlust is what you're after. You might be disappointed today. Really? So, yeah, yeah. surprisingly enough. Uh, so this week our movie is Mortal Kombat, as you might have guessed, uh, based on the hit video game of the same name. Mortal Kombat was released on August 18th, 1995 and was number one at the box office for three weeks. Uh, the only other movie to come out that week was The Babysitter's Club, which, uh, frankly, I wouldn't mind watching again. <laughs> I, I just... Like, I'm just so flabbergasted that this movie uh, held the number one <laughs> position for three weeks in a row. That is that accurate? Uh, according to Wikipedia, which is the only source I consulted. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. Yeah, this this week wasn't one of those weeks, but we're switching things around a little bit. Um, you'll you'll everyone will find out next week what really was number one this week but um you know it's the end of the end of the summer everyone's getting their last kicks out pun intended um <laughs> and this one's a real treat for the kids so Definitely. you just you want to show your little angels that they that they matter to you before they go back to school and what better way than with this cinematic gift yeah kids love it so someone has to love it uh and so that brings that brings me to an important question, Cassie. Had you seen this movie before uh, before you rewatched it in preparation for this show? Uh, yes, that is affirmative. I have <laughs> seen this movie many times. <laughs> like ballpark, how many times have you seen it? Um, you know, not like a crazy amount. Like I will rewatch movies an obscene amount of times. Uh, Mortal Kombat, I would say I've seen maybe ten times total i had seen it but the only thing i really remembered about it was the um like the scenes when they're fighting on the beach just normal tournament play like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where sonya fights kano and Liu kang fights that guy with the braids uh, <laughs> <laughs> not the most memorable scenes in the movie for yeah. most people probably but that's literally the only thing i remembered from this whole thing I mean, uh, that guy with the braids has, has really gone on to do fabulous things. <laughs> I think he's in the Senate now. <laughs> is that true? I have no clue. I don't okay. know who that guy is. I don't Again, either. Again, something it would have been good to research. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, my whole family was doing martial arts for a while in the mid-90s. We were doing Taekwondo. And so I think that's why we watched a lot of action movies. Like what? specifically, we watched a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme and oh, anything yeah. like Jackie Chan, anything martial arts related. Um, this movie, surprisingly, not very martial artsy. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> if there's one lesson that I took away from this, it's that in hand-to-hand -hand combat, supernatural powers involving the elements and or 
oddly placed reptiles will <laughs> defeat good old fashioned <laughs> hand to hand combat. Uh, yeah. Uh oddly placed reptiles uh, in the plural is accurate <laughs> <laughs> they could be anywhere uh, i didn't uh, know that your family all did uh what did you say taekwondo yeah uh, my mom started it and then um my dad and i just sort of like glommed on and uh, you've never heard this you've never heard any stories from my taekwondo time i don't know it's like it's not a huge part of who i am because i didn't I mean, I did it for a couple of years. I got pretty okay. I had a brown belt. Ah, um, uh, yeah, that's ringing a bell. Yep. Yeah, brown belt would would ring a bell. Yes, <laughs> but um, the <laughs> <To> number. Me. <laughs> I mean, the main thing that stands out from that uh, the whole taekwondo experience is that I once we we're so we were all uh, lined up doing our little exercises, doing our drills or whatever, and I snap kicked a little boy in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I guess pretty hard because he was crying and he had to go sit down and oh, I just no. I just I didn't feel bad for him. I think he was kind of a whiner. So yeah. it tells you a bit about me and where where I was at around age nine or ten. Well, let me tell you where I was at during those <laughs> formative years. My first exposure to Mortal Kombat in in any form was during my bowling league years. <laughs> uh, there was an arcade in the bowling alley, and of course they had a Mortal Kombat arcade. Oh, of course, of course, and Is being this the one in the oh. one in Franklin, yeah, 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 oh yeah, and uh, being that I was in a bowling league with about. 49-year-old boys and maybe mm. two girls. Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of uh, kids playing the Mortal Kombat uh, console. So, so you're, I you're don't lucky. remember when I first saw the movie, though. I think much later. Well, the game had already been out for three years when the movie came out. There were like three Mortal Kombats that were released before they finally got around to releasing the movie. Like they, it was a long time in development. Yeah, well, they wanted to make it as perfect as possible. It's possible that they were waiting for the graphics to catch up to the vision in their mind. The technology <laughs> just didn't exist to make something so glorious as as what they had in their in their heads. And yes. uh, you know, it is better to wait in this case. Mm -hmm. I mean, because the, the effects by themselves, like they carry the whole movie. The entire movie was just like one beautiful cg creation after the other i don't know if you are kidding but <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fine line uh my my favorite uh cg uh part of the movie is definitely the reptile oh yeah yeah that's <laughs> up there that's um so I was watching this with Phil and I made some disparaging remarks about reptile and he said he pointed out that in the context of everything else that's going on in that movie reptile is actually one of the better special effects. <laughs> um I don't know if I would totally agree with that. I mean it's about on par with the Paula Abdul MC Scat Cat opposites attract video where there's just a cartoon straight up hanging out in the world with real yes. people. Agreed. 
want me to tell you what my favorite CG effect was? Yes, please do. When they are on this rickety ass old boat and Raiden has, Lord Raiden, God of Thunder or Lightning, I'm not sure which, has just explained to them the the rules of this tournament. We're skipping ahead majorly in terms Mm -hmm. of plot synopsis, but Raiden tells them what's up and then they all look in the sky and lo and behold, there's a heavily pixelated skull (laughs) filling (laughs) the night sky with a snake coming out of its mouth. Um... And no one is phased. No one, no one's jaw drops. No one says like, holy boop. Um, they're just like, oh, what's what's happening now? No one bats an eye at that. It's uh, pretty weird. Then again, they are on a strange dragon-shaped boat with no sails. So no, those sails are ripped to shreds. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how they're moving. <laughs> Some kind uh, of magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not sure exactly why they all had to assemble on the same boat at that <laughs> pier in Hong Kong. To M- Maybe the skull has a gravitational force that uh, pulls on that boat specifically. It, it's It's science, I think, probably. Yeah. It's like those um like those toy kittens that have like other other stuffed animals that attach to them. Like the kissing Simba and Nala. Just magnets. That's okay. what I'm saying. <laughs> That's a very specific example of magnetism. <laughs> Are there magnets other places in the world? <laughs> no, the kissing That's Simba it. and Nala stuffed animals. <laughs> So, do you want to get into? We've teased the plot so much that I'm sure any of uh, anyone who's listening to this who hasn't watched Mar- Mortal Kombat in, the, in a while is just champing at the bit. They want to know more about what is this movie and who's on this ghost ship and how did they get there and what are their backstories, what are their likes, dislikes, what are their fully fleshed out characters? Because <laughs> undoubtedly, they are really highly realized three dimensional people. Definitely, right? Yes. I mean, do you want to? You want to take a stab at it? Um, yeah, I I will do my best. Um, the the plot of this movie uh is about as rickety as the ghost ship that they get on to. <laughs> so, uh the movie opens with a epic showdown between Shang Tsung, who is an outworld sorcerer and a young man um that's generous i I forget his name chan chan yeah uh chan who is a member of an ancient group of mm, monks i'll say he's like a shaolin monk of sorts yes who um i guess challenged shang soon to uh save the world um yeah, so, it, yeah, it opens with that and a lot of questions, uh, so. Yeah, what do you think was going on there? Do you think that, because we have, we have no context. That's one of the, one of the things that makes this movie a great candidate for rewatching is that there are so, so many unanswered questions. <laughs> like, this boy knew that the tournament was coming up. Why is he fighting Shang Tsung? 
Do you think he challenged him? Do you think he was like, I don't want to wait for this tournament. I've, I'm all pumped up now. Shang Tsung, get over here. I'm, I'm going to finish this now. Or did Shang Tsung just show up and decide to s- just to murder a child? <laughs> um, I think the latter could be possible, though I think during the movie they they hint at the fact that, that Chan had uh, challenged Shang Tsung. So I guess stupid. to be preemptive and hope to not even need to go through the tournament mm. and risk losing everything. Yeah, classic hero complex. Yeah. So, so the tournament. I mean, that's basically the the overarching thread that holds this movie together very loosely. <laughs> so the idea is that there are different realms. And there's one realm called Outworld that is ruled by an evil emperor. And Shang Tsung is one of his minion sorcerers, I guess. And this emperor wants to invade other realms. So in order to stop them from doing that, or for some reason they set up this tournament where... um, Fighters from other worlds, such as Earth Realm, uh, can fight the uh, people from Outworld in order to prevent the Emperor from invading. And the Outworld has to win ten consecutive tournaments. And apparently they have already won nine. So this, this one's big, you know. It's really important that they win this one. Otherwise, we're we're screwed. Yeah, that's the that sounds like a pretty poorly written contract. <laughs> yes, not sure who was at the negotiating table <laughs> when this was decided, uh, but I feel like we could have done better, probably. Yeah, and it's sort of implied that this was the implication I took away that there are other realms involved in the tournament too, but. Outworld is the only one that's ever a real threat. So it's kind of like Outworld could invade anyone they wanted at any time. They just sort of drew up these rules to make it more interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I guess so. Um, I, I think probably Lord Raiden was involved in these, these talks, we'll call them. Because yeah, he seems... he seems like the representative from Earth. Yeah. He's the, the protector of the realm of Earth. And I believe he is the Lord of Lightning, or the God of Lightning. Because very aptly, they cho- they chose to animate his eyes with lightning <laughs> during the movie. Okay, so we've got, we've got Liu Kang, and uh, he's... He's, he's got pretty clearly the protagonist from the beginning. Um... But we've got a few other few other folks that we get introduced to in the early stages of the movie. Um, uh, Liu Kang, it's explained the beginning scene where uh, Chen's killed by Shang Tsung. Um, that's, that's a nightmare vision that Liu Kang's having. He wakes up in a, in a room that's just completely bathed in green light. Because mm. uh, that's another theme of this movie is monochromatic lightning or lighting <laughs> yes. uh, it's it's an entirely green room I guess he lives inside of a digital clock or something <laughs> um, checks his you know stands up 
checks a telegram that is on his dresser um, telling him it's a telegram from his grandfather telling him that his his brother's dead and he needs to come home. <laughs> it's a great telegram too, can I say? <laughs> I think it has like six words in it. Uh-huh. Do you remember what it said? Oh god, uh I should have written it down. Do you remember? I think it said uh Lu Lu Kang return home brother dead <laughs> grandfather. Like that was it. <laughs> well, Maybe his grandfather knew that he would get more details in his dream. He must have. Mm -hmm. And now he wakes up and he's like, oh, now I know what happened. <laughs> Gotta go home. Immediately we cut to another scene um, at a dance club. Because like many 90s villains before and after him, uh, Kano likes to make the base of his operations a very busy dance club. Nightclub. Yes. Um this is where we're introduced to Sonia, a beautiful member of the special forces. Uh, she's, she's strong, she's take charge, and she trusts no one, as she's careful to tell us right away. As she somewhat arrogantly tells her partner, I mean, maybe keep that to yourself, Sonia. That might be something <laughs> that's a little detrimental to your relationship with your partner to right away say, I trust one person, and you're looking at her. <laughs> Well, she had a partner that she trusted, you know, past tense. Mm. He's dead now, and it's Kano's fault. So clearly, that's where her bloodlust comes in. Yeah, she's she's uh, she's very determined. She's uh, portrayed by Bridget Wilson, who, of course, earlier that year had released the greatest performance of her life, in my opinion, as Veronica Vaughn in Billy Madison. And um, Sonia's got a few things in common with Veronica. Of course, they are both beautiful because they're both played by the same woman. But they both have a steely determination and a very firm jawline. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She's, she does a lot of acting with her jaw. Um, yes. So Sonia shoots up this club going after, I don't know, one of Kano's thugs it was hard for me to follow the scene because it's very dark and jumped around a lot yes um, but long story short kano is really misogynistic to the point of being pretty rapey and uh wants to defeat sonia probably so he can have his icky way with her and he's in league with shang sung yeah yeah later on in the plot it's revealed that he's working for shang sung in order to lure sonia to the tournament which also confused me because from this scene, I, uh, there really is no evidence that Sonia is a great fighter. She's good with a machine gun. Um, I don't see her really doing much fighting with her hands or feet. No, no. Um, I'm not quite sure what Shang Tsung is interested uh, in her for, other than obviously she's very attractive. Um because she doesn't really do much fighting other than running around and, you know, using guns. But, I mean, later on when she fights Kano, she has some moves, some signature moves. Um, but, yes, if, if, she, if Bridget Wilson was ever involved in a fight with the actual actor who plays Kano, she would be destroyed. 
very she's quickly. so small it's she's not even tiny. a matter of like, like uh yeah just seeing the two of them next to each other it completely defies belief that this woman even if she were one of the best fighters in the world could do what she does to kano yeah um, what I found out from doing my research was that uh, Sonia was originally supposed to be portrayed by Cameron Diaz, and um, Cameron Diaz like broke her wrist at the last minute and had to be released, uh, had to be replaced. I think that might have been a little more, a little more believable. Uh, Cameron Diaz has a has a has a more I don't know athletic physicality to her. I don't know mm-hmm. if she did at that point in her career, but she looks like a bit. A bit more of a fighter. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I don't know that really any Hollywood actress who's actually an actress <laughs> would do justice to Sonya Blade. I mm. feel like you need to get like a straight up just lady who does martial arts. Like they should have just hired a fighter. Because mm-hmm. let's be real, there's not a whole lot of actual acting going on anyway. Yeah. So it yeah. would have been way easier to do it that way instead. Well, speaking of people who aren't too good at fighting and just act, who are we introduced to next? Johnny Cage. And that, That's the way they yeah. say it in the game. <laughs> I got that. Okay. <laughs> All right, moving on after that. <laughs> Yeah, so Johnny Cage is just sort of a douchey actor. He's very Tom Cruise-like, I would say. Uh, That's not a slight against either him or Tom Cruise. He just is going off a very, um, at the time, standard movie star man persona. Yeah, Um, yeah. And and I think it goes a little further because a lot of people underestimate Tom Cruise and don't think that he does his own stunts, but he actually does. So... He does, and uh, some would say Tom Cruise's stunts are a little better than what uh, Mr. Lyndon Ashby breaks out as Johnny Cage here. (laughs) Some would say. But um, I grew to hate Johnny Cage and then went back to feeling a little ambivalent about him just because (laughs) he would not stop with the freaking jokes. (laughs) Uh, You know, I feel like I had the complete opposite reaction because a lot of times the only thing that was mildly entertaining was Johnny Cage's terrible jokes. So you love him or you hate him, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And and I hated him and apparently you love him. <laughs> well, I like Johnny Cage also partially because I enjoyed playing Johnny Cage in the video game. Oh, is he your favorite? I wouldn't say favorite because, you know, I got to go with my girl, Sonya, um, uh-huh. you know, naturally. But, you know, if I wasn't going to play Sonya, I'd probably play Johnny Cage. He was pretty, you know, easy to, to pick up and learn. Mm. Very accessible. Okay, that seems about right. Or you could say I just, I identified with the white people in it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've got something in common with Johnny Cage because we later learn that he thinks Asian people are just his servants. <laughs> that is true. He, he somehow managed to make it to the top of the martial arts uh, field while um, not having learned basic respect for people who look Chinese. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure what that was about. I wouldn't just assume, especially standing in a pier in Hong Kong, 
that <laughs> an Asian guy walking by was my servant. But, you know, I guess fame does things to people. <laughs> so, long story short, Johnny Cage also gets talked into being a... Uh, into going to this crazy tournament. Uh, the way Shang Tsung, surprise, does this is by playing on his ego. Um, mm-hmm. an, an important theme that we'll see uh, succinctly encapsulated by Lord Raiden uh, yes. in a couple scenes. Also, he does impersonate. And by impersonate, I mean appear as <laughs> his manager, I want to say. Yeah. Or an old sensei. I'm not sure who that guy was. Yeah, he calls but... him master, so I don't think he's his manager. Yeah. So in the next scene we return back to our, our first plot with Liu Kang. He's gone back to the monastery from whence he came, um, which apparently he fled from, and we're introduced to another extremely significant character, my favorite of all of all this film, Lord Raiden. Cass, do you have any background on Lord Raiden beyond what I gleaned from this film? Um, no, I do <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, okay. Other, you know, because the game doesn't really give you a whole lot of backstory on these characters. So the movie kind of just embellished what was available in the game so pretty much Mm -hmm. what you get in the movie is what you get period okay and what you get for lord raiden is that he is a very white man with silver hair um and flashing lightning eyes (laughs) beautiful eyes they are mesmerizing and (laughs) fun fact i uh, so i rented this movie from a video store and their their movie collection is pretty highly curated. This movie wasn't just in action movies. It was under action heroes. Oh. Yes. Under Christopher Lambert, the man who plays Raiden. Yes. Yeah. This guy is a big enough deal to warrant his own section in the action heroes part of the movie store. I would agree with that. Yeah. Christopher Lambert is a badass. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's that guy in the Highlander, right? And he's yeah, done yeah. other things. Yeah, I assume he has. I should check out the rest of his section in the movie theater, in the movie store. I was you would you would think that for a man of this caliber, he would bust out some action in this movie. All yeah, he really no. all he really does is flip over Liu Kang with yes, with the that, power of lightning. That is true. Yeah, that's that. That is really disappointing because he's a pretty awesome character and has some awesome moves in the video game. Like hmm. he can actually like fly across the entire screen and just like oh, push yeah. his enemy, and it's it's really annoying move. I think Raiden's real power in this movie is the strength of his wisdom. Uh, he has like. I could hate watch Raiden in his own movie series, in his own television series regularly. <laughs> Did you I, say hate watch? Yeah, hate watch. <laughs> I thought you said you liked him, though. I, I hate like him. Oh. Yeah, he's he's 
I mean, he's not the character that I like the most, but he is the character that I enjoy the most, if that makes sense. He's very, dare I say, magnetic. Um, (laughs) He's got some amazing lines. He's got a really weird voice. He kind of looks like Phil Hartman with the voice of Peter Lorre, classic, (laughs) classic movie weirdo from like Frankenstein and whatnot. He, he says things like, the fate of billions will depend on you. Ha, ha, ha. Which is supposed to be profound, and I don't know why he's doing that voice unless it is his actual voice. I, it, I think it is. Um, mm. I don't know much about um, Christopher Lambert other than he's French. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, French people can be a little eccentric. Yeah, I mean, maybe their the movie maker's attitude was just, we're so lucky to have Christopher Lambert in this movie. Whatever weird thing he wants to do, he can do. Yes. Uh, I read online that it wasn't in his contract, that they like it wasn't in the budget that they could pay for him to go to Thailand to shoot with everyone else. He was only going to do like scenes on the soundstage in L.A., but he wanted to come with them. So he just paid for it out of his own pocket and went to Thailand and like threw the cast party. Um, so... He seems like a very lovable dude. Oh, yeah. Um, And really sums up all the all the themes in the movie that are worth noting. Um, But just rounding up the other characters, we've got Shang Tsung, who we've already gone into. Um, Mm. Is is Shang Tsung in the game? Can you play as Shang Tsung? You can't play as Shang Tsung. He's the final boss in Mortal Kombat 1. Okay. Uh, Kano, the guy with the weird obsession with Sonya and half a face and an Australian accent. Mm-hmm, uh, for some reason. Mm, Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Um, Scorpion's probably my favorite to play as and to watch. Yes, he's um, pretty great. Two, two guys who are always lumped together for no apparent reason, like you would think... All right, so Shang Tsung, I know Cassie knows this, but Shang Tsung unleashes Scorpion and Sub-Zero um, on Sonya, Johnny Cage, and Liu Kang on the weird ghost ship as his first, like, y- the first intimation to the audience that something real weird's going on. Um, <laughs> as if it weren't weird enough to be, like, tricked onto a ghost ship um, by a mysterious character um, to a some some tournament um he brings in these two fighters who look like members of the foot clan or ninjas um and they each have some some creepy extra superpower uh sub-zero can freeze stuff and as you would guess from his name scorpion has um like a toothed monster that comes out of his hands yep that's accurate Mm two great tastes that taste great together like <laughs> would it i guess it was too obvious to have a guy with maybe heat power go with the guy that has ice power mm-hmm. yeah i it's, think that's the idea mm, it's just One. like two two randos just thrown together you know i feel like there's somewhere an explanation like they're brothers or something but i don't remember where i got that information from so it could be that i'm just making that up i mean it's a better explanation than the movie gives us but they are really cool characters i mean they've got some pretty sweet moves 
Oh, indeed they do. And some of the best lines. Well, Sub-Zero doesn't say anything at least, but, um, but Scorpion has the famous get over here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he um, uses that frequently in the movie. Um, to my delight. Yes. Um, rounding out the list, we have Goro, who's uh, introduced to us once we get to the tournament, who's a gigantic puppet, um, <laughs> not within the plot, but just within the making of the movie. Um, if, you've, if you've played Mortal Kombat, you know Goro. He's got two sets of arms and a tiny little head and a ponytail, and he's gigantic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Reptile, who we were making fun of earlier, a uh, chameleon that also inhabits skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure. Uh, chameleon is is the closest reptile. He seems to be just a conglomerate of every reptile that exists in CG form. And uh, the princess Katana, who is ten thousand years old. Apparently, she doesn't. She does not look ten thousand years old. That's another thing that could have gone in could have been gone into in more detail you know, of of all the characters katana probably deserves her own movie the most i want to know more about her yeah yeah so she is the princess of outworld like the rightful princess um before the evil emperor took over things there but for some reason he feels like he should protect her i don't know it's very strange the relationship they have there all the more reason that i'd like to hear more about it like is he is he in love with her is it a classic case of keep your friends close and your enemies closer um why didn't he just kill her a lot of questions maybe he can't kill her yeah i you know i was very surprised by her characterization in the film because having played the video game um, her role was not made apparent to me, and the only thing I learned from the video game was she throws fans, I think? Or knives. Is it knives? I can't remember. She's got a sister who also throws things, and it's very bloody. And My impression <laughs> of them is that they are not nice ladies because they kill people. But, I mean, everybody does in Mortal Kombat, so I guess I shouldn't judge. But there was no indication she was a princess. Yeah. Well, I think maybe as a child, you didn't have the most sophisticated understanding of this. Because as Raiden explains, Mortal Kombat isn't about death. It's about life. (laughs) So by spraying everything on screen with blood, Katana is celebrating that ultimate life-giving blood, as it were. Blood is life, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, um, like like you said before, I, just like you said before, the special effects are really the star of this movie. I would think um, is that a fair characterization? I would say yes. They are top notch special effects. Uh, they they completely set the stage for the movie. It's a very distinctly '90s aesthetic, so it's a pretty appropriate that we start with this one because, in my opinion. Action movies are really at the top of their game in the 90s. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, pretty sure that's an opinion you share. Um, More than any other genre, action movies really flowered with a really distinct aesthetic and uh, just loving craftsmanship 
in the 90s. And this one has it all. It's got uh, shootouts in dance clubs. It's got really, really uh, sophisticated use of the green screen. Um, And it's got some really high super saturation of color in every scene. It does. A lot of good um, explosions and, and fire as well. Uh, especially in the uh, fight scene with Johnny Cage and Scorpion. I'd say that that was my favorite uh, scene. For that the, was uh, my favorite scene, too. It was the it was easily the best fight. It was, and Johnny Cage is not the most fun to... I didn't enjoy Johnny Cage, uh, his fighting style, most of the time. Um, I enjoy watching Liu Kang more than anyone else because I think he was the only one in the movie who was an actual trained martial artist. Um, And like, uh, I keep thinking back to that video that I think Devin shared a while ago about like how to judge how good an action, like uh, an action scene is like, is it showing like, are there a lot of cuts from camera to camera that hide the fact that the actor isn't actually fighting? Mm-hmm. And oh, during this movie, I think Liu Kang, like Robin Shu, the actor uh, was the only one that they really went pretty far back on of the main mm-hmm. characters, showing the whole fight, showing you that he is continually the one doing all of these scenes. Yes. Um, but that, that Johnny Cage scorpion scene was a lot of fun, uh, both for the weirdness of, scorpion and his characterization um johnny cage starting to redeem himself a little bit by being fun funny instead of just gratingly inappropriate joke funny um (laughs) or maybe i was just beaten down by it at that point and started (laughs) to embrace it um and just cool ass fights with some you know awesome green screen fires everywhere um piles of bones the works yeah, yeah. So they they start out in like a forest scene where Scorpion uses his get over here, uh, we'll call bug thing in his <laughs> uh, palm uh, to great avail, and somehow at some point during the forest fight, Scorpion pulls Johnny Cage into let's say another dimension, another realm. Because that's just a thing that can happen at any time. I guess. Yeah. Um, Like two kissing Lion King toys. They're drawn (laughs) into another dimension. Magnetism. It's all. Oh, yeah. It's magnetic fields. That's what it is. (laughs) And they somehow end up in hell, I I assume, is what it's supposed to be. There's hellfire and skulls and rickety platforms that they fight on and a lot of fire. Um and apparently scorpion is made of fire uh yeah that's so though the spoilers the way that johnny cage finally ends this fight is he um just looks around him in the pile of skulls that he's landed in and finds thankfully a giant like circular saw blade just yes. a toothed blade throws it at scorpion oh at some point scorpion had removed his face to reveal that he was not a man as previously assumed but a skeleton uh johnny cage throws the blade at at scorpion uh like slices off part of his skull uh some goo that's definitely not blood because you couldn't show blood in this movie oozes out and uh also flames Uh, maybe it was napalm 
the goo that ush, that gushes out of him because probably uh, Johnny Cage does a, a leap out of the way to safety and Scorpion just totally explodes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's scorpions quite, go quite everywhere. The explosion. It's a big. That's why I think it must have been napalm. Yes. Um, and uh, this is one case where I wish I hadn't done a little more research online because I so scorpions guts slash scorpions go flying everywhere and then a random autographed picture of Johnny Cage I interpreted that to mean that uh, Scorpion was secretly a big Johnny Cage fan (laughs) and he just had this picture like tucked away inside of his skeleton he you know he was just fighting him so that he could get another autograph because he was such a big fan yeah, maybe he wanted to impress him. Like sometimes that's the that's the way to do it. Like they say, if you want to get a job uh, writing for someone's website or blog, you should just contact them and tell them, like, give them constructive criticism on how they could make their blog better. And the person will be so grateful that they'll say, like, you know what? I like your gumption. You come write for me. But maybe <laughs> Scorpion was hoping Johnny Cage would give him a role. Like, wow, this guy's a real good fighter. I want him on my team. And then Johnny Cage killed him. <laughs> I really feel for Scorpion here. What a jerk. I mean Johnny Cage is a jerk. He that is true. He's definitely a jerk. But from uh from what I read online, apparently that's a real move that Johnny Cage does where he drops an autographed picture of himself on your corpse. That is that is true. That is one of his uh fatalities, as they are called in the video games. Um I like so. that. Yeah, but I I like your interpretation much better. (laughs) Desperately trying to humanize Scorpion. (laughs) He needs it. (laughs) I got your back, Scorpion. (laughs) Johnny Cage, I would expect Johnny Cage to have some really sweet fashions, considering he's a movie star and he does own $500 sunglasses and brought cases and cases of luggage with him to the island. Mm -hmm. But I was actually more impressed by Sonya's looks. She's, yeah, she is rocking this fabulous head-to-toe black professional lady outfit that looks like she got it at the Limited, Uh, (laughs) a ribbed turtleneck, Mm -hmm. and, like, black mom jeans or trousers. Mm -hmm. It's hard to tell. They're probably a nice acrylic blend of trouser with a black belt up around her waist. Um, I think that's a look that every professional no-nonsense lady had in 1995. Yeah, I, I mean, I wish I could pull that off today. Why I'd wear that. You? Just go for it. They probably still sell the exact same items. <laughs> Definitely. She later repurposes those pants as some sick jean shorts. Yes. Uh, when yeah. she when she snaps Kano's neck with her bare legs. Yeah, that um, that happens. Uh, that that is also one of her signature moves from the video game. Um, she was very much, you know. Her power was in her legs, obviously, because... As every woman's is. Of course. Uh, wasn't quite believing that she broke Kano's neck with her legs. Well, Kano's neck is thicker than her legs. Yes, so definitely. Quite a challenge. She also had him like around her shins, like not even around her thighs. <laughs> like It was like... Her her lower legs did the work there, which doesn't make any sense. There's no leverage. Mm. There's no nothing. exactly. Yeah, yeah she's well, magic, I guess. 
That's PG-13. And also there's so much emphasis in this movie on um on your weaknesses, your individual weaknesses, um which they're careful to reiterate multiple times. Raiden lists them explicitly for each of our heroes every time. Mm-hmm. Um for Sonya, it's her her focus on her enemy and yep. for Johnny Cage, it's his ego. Mm-hmm. And uh what's Luke Kang's? It's like revenge or fear. I'm not sure which it Oh, it's revenge. Yeah, right? yeah. He's he says that his only reason for being there is to avenge his younger brother. Mm-hmm. Which um, is not good enough, apparently. Well, I could go on about that more. Um, but maybe I mean clearly Kano has some weaknesses of his own that probably mm-hmm. allowed him to be defeated with a such a seemingly implausible move. Yeah, well, he's such a terrible sexist that of course he doesn't <laughs> see his own death coming fighting Sonya Blade so that that was his ultimate undoing I think it makes sense it's very poetic Mm -hmm. but speaking of Liu Kang and his uh and his preparedness or lack thereof for this tournament I was actually pretty angry at Lord Raiden and uh, Liu Kang's grandfather and the entire monastery for not preparing Liu better for this tournament. It seemed like every time the rules of the tournament were revealed, Liu didn't really know what was going on. He didn't. He had to be told that uh, Shang Tsung would be, you know, absorbing people's souls into his eyes. And then if he fought <laughs> Shang Tsung, then you'd have to fight everyone that he had ever defeated. You would think that if Liu Kang was being raised from birth to fight and win in this tournament, someone would have at least told him the deal about the mastermind of the entire tournament. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't make any sense. Like, he he gives the impression that he was taught that they were all a bunch of myths, that it wasn't actually a thing that could happen. But, I mean, the grandfather and Raiden seem to have a rapport like old buddies so maybe introduce Liu Kang to Lord Raiden at some point during his training like hey this is a dude that actually exists he can (laughs) command lightning also by the way Shang Tsung can pose as anyone ever and uh eats people's people's souls (laughs) so you better look out yeah there's also a lot of technical rules um that Liu Kang is not aware of like who can fight who when you can challenge someone they have to accept the challenge mm-hmm. like there's a lot of like there should be a rule book for this thing i mean they've the stakes are pretty high right not they've, to be preparing this kid they've been doing this for like hundreds of years it seems like they should have a training plan in place. Well, it helps already. explain why Earth has lost nine times in a row. Raiden is slacking on the job. This grandfather doesn't seem to be doing much of anything either. Right. Um, it's our own fault, really. Yeah, I gotta say. Um, they Raiden somewhat disparagingly uh, says to the grandfather that there's no, there is no one else from Earth who can who even has a chance of winning. So, I mean, it seems a little cruel to bring Johnny Cage and Sonya in in the first place if they know that Lou's going to be the winner, if anyone. I was struck by that line, too. Like, no (laughs) one else? No one at all. Anywhere. 
on earth. Nope. No, Besides all of these people dude. in their 20s are the only ones who possibly could even maybe come close to winning. Yeah, well, maybe you should have invested a little more time into training him. Maybe. Well, he's he's good at punching. He's good at punching and he's good at kicking. What else is there? <laughs> Some other notable pieces of wisdom uh, from this movie that, uh, you know, I tried to I tried to note down some memorable lines, but wouldn't you know it? They're all from Raiden. <laughs> OK, so maybe we should note that the dialogue in this movie was just garbage. Uh, it was real bad. Ninety five percent of the time. Uh, they were very focused on trying to regurgitate the little snippets of, of dialogue you would get in the video game. Um, so I feel like they went out of their way to try and make it fit in there. Uh, so yeah, it, it was slim pickings on uh, memorable quotes, for sure. Yeah, um, so my... <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like they shouldn't have even tried. They should have just, uh, I think they should have. All right, here's my stance on this movie, is that there is too much plot. Now, I read some contemporary reviews and, and what people are saying about it these days to the extent, like, to the effect that there's, uh, there's the plot's bad, the dialogue's bad. Yeah, it is. And there should be even less of it. I mm-hmm. The game is about a series of fights. I would have been really happy with just a bunch of fights. And this like this premise that they built around it, this really flimsy plot, there's way too much of it. There's way too much explication. Mm, um, agreed. Sometimes people fight to the death. Yeah, I mean, th- so the first video game, there's like, there is no plot to it. It's like you have a handful of fighters, maybe maybe eight or nine that you can choose from, and you have the option to go into a tournament you fight the other fighters who you haven't selected then you fight Goro and you fight Shang Tsung that's all there is this movie took the plot just from like the the different stages where you fight and just pieced together some sort of plot around it and obviously there's things from Mortal Kombat 2 and there's a bit of explanation in there but they're just fighting games like just fight don't there's definitely should not be that much explanation for why like show me some badass moves show me some sweet special effects i'm good that's all Mm -hmm. i need ditto um the the raiden line that i did really like that sums up the movie and i would like to start applying to my own life is you can overcome any adversary, no matter how bizarre their powers may seem. <laughs> it's classic. Yeah. I'm just going to make that my mantra and play it throughout throughout my everyday life. Yeah, there are a lot of bizarre powers. Um, and our fighters from Earthrealm don't really have bizarre powers. They're just good at fighting. So mm-hmm. it's pretty unfair going into it. All we humans have, as on Earth, um, is our intellect. We don't have, we don't have claws. We don't have freezing abilities. We don't have extra arms. Mm-mm. All we have is uh, our discipline over our own minds and our own fear. Yep. Can't even that? eat souls. 
not yet. (laughs) (laughs) But that brings me to another question, Cassie. If you fought in the Mortal Kombat tournament, what would your special ability be? Oh, that... That's a really difficult question. So I've thought about this because I think if I were going to be in the Mortal Kombat world, I'd want to really fit in. And, you know, all of the characters in the world already have such interesting abilities. Um, You know, I just want to be like them. So... In short, my answer is I'm like the ability to grab someone's skeleton <laughs> from inside their body and pull it out and leave the rest of their flesh. So just skeleton, body, separate. Like, I feel like that would really set my place in the universe pretty, pretty solidly. Yeah. And that's notably missing from this movie. Like, they tease it in the very beginning. Shang Tsung picks up Chan's head, and anyone who knows the game knows what's coming. The head mm-hmm. is coming out, and the spine, spinal cord is coming with it. Yep. Doesn't happen. No. Doesn't, doesn't. happen. Yeah. I think my power would be uh, that, which is sort of my power here on Earth extended, is that I would just emit a steady stream of low-frequency chatter. Like the chatter that engulfs my own internal monologue every day, every minute of every day. It would just come out and subdue my opponent until they're (laughs) utterly feeble and powerless. That's that's terrifying. Then I would finish him. (laughs) Yeah. Then then you could rip his his skeleton from his body. (laughs) Or you could. I would let you. All right. Cassie, get over here. Get over. Got a spinal column for you. <laughs> I'm on it. So, just to sum up, you enjoyed this movie. It's fair to say when you were a kid. What did you think of it on rewatching? Um, on rewatching, it's bad. It is a <laughs> it is a bad movie on several different levels. Um, but. The fact that I have sat through it for 10 times shows that I don't really care and I would continue (laughs) to watch it in the future, probably. So can't be that bad. Yeah, it's it's got a really high rewatch value, I think. There are all sorts of weird details in the background that reward multiple watchings. Mm -hmm. Um, And you and I both love movies like that that might not have much going in the way of plot um, or cinematic value, but they are super fun to watch and point out all the dumb stuff that's going on. Yes. Like Shang Tsung is sitting on a throne made of peacock feathers as he watches (laughs) people fight to the death. (laughs) He loves peacocks. See, that's that touch of just backstory that Mm -hmm. you can count on in this movie. It makes um, him a richer character. <laughs> and makes us all richer for having watched. Yes. Um, we're not we're not alone in our judgment of this as a subpar film. It has a 32% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, which, you know, it's a movie that is made for preteens in the mid-90s. And, yep. uh, and thus, I think, makes a really good start to our 90s movie journey. Agreed. 
Yep. Uh, Most of my love for this movie is heavily nostalgia driven and video game driven. So if you didn't play the game as a kid or see this movie, you would not be able to sit through this film. I suspect we're going to encounter that a lot as we go through these movies. Like, it'll be interesting to compare movies that we're seeing for the first time with movies that we saw when we were impressionable little idiots. Mm -hmm. And uh, certain movies, if they don't grab you when you're an impressionable age, will Mm -hmm. never be able to, will never be able to seize you with their bug tentacles and pull you (laughs) in, in toward another realm. No, definitely not. But uh, Cassie, it's been lovely discussing this enchanting film with you. Um, Hope everyone will join us next week for another cavalcade of badass action stars. To Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. It's going to be fun. Let me tell you. Have you seen it recently? Yes, I have. Aw.